and welcome back to Man It Is, the only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animal. I'm your host, James, and I just said animal instead of animals. Did you pick that up? Because I sure did. And now what's running through my brain is if I should pause and re-record it or if I should just power forward like an absolute champion. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> You're welcome. Guys, we have a really interesting story today, um, a, a real classic Maneaters tale, if you will. You know, we've had a few weeks where we've done some um, some interesting stuff, some different stuff. Of course, we talked about, um, you know, elephants attacking people, monkeys attacking people. These are really great stories, but they're not Maneaters per se. You know, they weren't eating people. They were just pushing them off balconies and exploding them with their trunks. Today, we have a classic man-eater tale, a true carnivorous beast, and for the first time ever in man-eater's history, we are traveling to Japan. Um, this is the story of the worst animal attack in uh, J Japanese history, recorded history, I suppose, um, and it really is terrifying. Uh, when I, this time when you listen to the story, I really want you to put yourself in the in the shoes of these people who were affected by this animal attack. Um, and yeah, look, I'm not going to waffle on too much longer because it's a great story. I want to jump into it, so let's do that now, guys. This is the story of the brown bear of Sekibetsu. Our story takes place in a beautiful but remote village in the north of Japan, known as Sakebetsu. Here, the summers are extremely hot and the winters are brutally cold. However, the natural beauty of the mountains makes living in this area very worth it. In the early 20th century, something worse than climate struck the people in the village. Sakebetsu would become the location of the worst animal attack in Japanese history. The carnage resulted in the deaths of seven people and the injury of three others. After coming up early from winter hibernation, the perpetrator, a gigantic brown bear, attacked a number of homes over the course of five days. On the northern Japanese island of Hokkaido, the Usuri subspecies of brown bear can be found. They had previously been discovered on Honshu, the largest island, but were pushed to extinction some 15,000 years ago, at the conclusion of the last glacial period. Populations can still be found in China, Russia, and Korea. The Asuri is a huge subspecies of brown bear, with the largest individuals rivaling the size of the Kodiak, the largest brown bear subspecies. Bears have a fearsome reputation amongst the Japanese people as man-eaters. While the Sankebetsu tragedy contributed significantly to the spread of this dread, it is not without its foundation. 141 people were killed and 300 were injured in bear attacks on Hikido in the first half of the 20th century. Since 1962, there have been 86 attacks that have resulted in 33 deaths. When the enormous male brown bear that was subsequently responsible for the deaths reached a farm in Sekibetsu in mid-November 1915, it was the first time it had ever been seen by the villagers. While the bear's sudden appearance shocked the Akita family and scared their horse, the bear eventually left after eating harvested corn. After the bear resurfaced near the property, on November 20th, the family's patriarch enlisted the help of his son and two Matagi, specialized winter hunters with bear killing experience. The four men fired upon the bear with rifles when it returned to the farmstead 10 days later, injuring it. Despite following the animal's path to Mount Onishika and noticing multiple bloodstains indicating the animal had been hurt by their shots, they were forced to turn back due to a snowstorm. The men came to a conclusion that the bear would have developed a fear of humans as a result of his injuries and would no longer approach human settlements. 
A little more than a week later, the men would find out just how wrong they were. The bear broke into the Otter family home in the middle of the morning on December 9th, 1915. While her husband toiled in the fields, a woman named Abe Mayu babysat an infant inside. The bear attacked the couple and bit the baby on the skull, killing it instantly. Mayu was overpowered and carried off into the forest despite her attempts to defend herself by hurling firewood. When her husband returned home, he discovered his wife had vanished and enormous puddles of blood had formed on the floor. He also discovered the mangled remains of the baby. The next morning, a search party of about 30 people was assembled to track down the bear and recover Mayu's remains. The soldiers sighted the animal a little distance from the Otter family farm and fired five rifle bullets at it. Only one bullet found its intent. <clears throat> Only one bullet found its intended target, causing the bear to flee. Mayu's remains were discovered buried in the snow at the base of a fir tree after the men searched the area. Only her head and her legs remained. She had almost entirely been consumed by the bear. Armed townspeople gathered on the altar farm the next night, believing the bear had developed a taste for human flesh and would return. The bear, in fact, did return, causing the villagers to panic. Only one man kept his nerve and fired a shot at the bear in the midst of the chaos, while a troop of about 50 soldiers stationed a few hundred meters away came too late to stop it. Many families had sought safety near Mayuki Yasutora's residence, which had guards stationed outside. When the guards learned of the bear sighting at the farm, they went on the hunt, leaving only one of their number to defend the women and children who remained in the home. In the dead of the night, the bear blasted its way into the house through a window as Yasutaru's wife, Yayo, led the women in cooking a late dinner. A cooking pot was overturned in the commotion, dousing the flames with the stove. As the bear rampaged inside, an oil lamp was also knocked over and extinguished, throwing the house into complete darkness. Yayo tried to run but was tripped by her tiny child who was grasping at her legs in terror. While they were both assaulted at first, the bear turned its attention to the last surviving guard, allowing Yayo to flee with her children while the man sought in vain to hide behind furniture and was eventually mauled terribly. Two more young boys were killed in the incident, while a third was badly injured. Yayo, who was seriously hurt, met the returning guards on the road and informed them that the bear had attacked the house while they were gone. When they returned to the house, the sounds of the bear attacking the occupants were still audible inside the dimly lit house. An early plan to burn the house to the ground was scrapped in the hopes that some of the children within might survive. Instead, the guards were divided into two groups, with ten men stationed at the front door and the rest circling around behind the house. They started yelling and pounding on the front door to drive the bear away. The plan eventually worked, but the waiting shooters had clustered and blocked each other's lines of sight, and some firearms actually misfired. The bear managed to once again escape. One villager had gone to see Yamamoto Hayekichi, an excellent bear hunter, after the initial incident. Yamamoto believed the bear was a man named Kesakaki, who was suspected of mauling at least three people to death in earlier incidents. Yamamoto, however, had fallen on bad times and he'd pawned his guns to pay for alcohol, and he declined to help. The villager who had paid him a visit later returned and told him that his pregnant wife had been killed in the second attack. The following day, a group of men reassembled to attempt to kill the bear once more. The men camped at the front of the Mayuki house that night, but the bear was nowhere to be found. 
Police in the nearby town of Hoboro received information of the attack on December 12th, three days after the first fatal attack, and dispatched a team of six snipers to track down Kesagake. Yamamoto Hayachi was one of them. When the bear failed to appear again and again, the hunting crew was forced to make the difficult decision to use the body of a previous victim to entice it out. Despite locals' protests, particularly from the Ota and Mayuki families, the plan was implemented. However, the bear eluded the guns once again. Patrols began scouting the adjacent woodland after the bear was discovered to have returned to the Otter household and raided their winter supplies, with upwards of 60 armed men involved in the hunt. Guards stationed on a bridge detected movement in the night on December 13th and opened fire after the shadow failed to respond to a challenge. The bear escaped once more, but the next morning they discovered bloodstains down the opposite bank, indicating that the bear had been injured once again. Yamamoto set off to find Kesagaki, accompanied by two other hunters. The seasoned bear hunter tracked down his prey and discovered it resting behind a Japanese oak tree. He got within 20 yards of the bear before killing it with two precise shots, one to the heart and the other to the head. After his rampage came to an end, the bear was discovered to weigh about 750 pounds and stand to nearly 9 feet tall. While most of the injured victims healed, the Mayoki family's youngest son died three years later as a result of his injuries. The lone guard who had been mauled in the second incident returned to work but drowned the following spring after falling into a river. Many peasants abandoned Sakabetsu. At the age of seven, Kawa Harayoshi, the village mayor's son, grew up to become a famous bear hunter. He retired at the age of 62 with 102 confirmed bear kills after swearing to kill 10 bears for every one of the victims. In 1980, his son successfully hunted and killed a 1,100 pound bear. Today, a shrine with a replica of the original home and a statue of Kesagaki exists near the site of the first attack. And that was the Senkebetsu brown bear attack. Uh, God, such an interesting story. I had no, this is one of those ones that I had no knowledge of before sitting down to research it. Um, what a horrifying way to go to be in a house with a bunch of women and children and a bear blast through the window and, uh, the lights go out and you're just stuck in this cabin, essentially, uh, with screaming people all around you and a bear just rampaging and mauling, you know? Another in another interesting, um, excuse me, another interesting thing that I noticed about this story is that a, lo a lot of other times with man-eating stories, particularly with big cats, but also with bears, um, is after the, the animal is hunted down, there is there are theories posited about why... Um, why this happened uh, a lot of times it's uh an injury like a an injury so like uh with the chomp white tiger i always go back to it but the chomp white tiger had a broken canine tooth which made it impossible for it to hunt regular prey um gustav the crocodile uh you know apparently he's been shot so many times that he's too injured to attack normal prey so he goes after weaker things like humans um the sekibetsu brown bear there's no such theory, at least I haven't heard one. Um, it seemed to be in perfect health. I mean, it's, it weighed 750 pounds and was nearly uh, 9 feet tall. It's a massive bear, um, and it seemed to be quite healthy. It would have to be quite healthy to keep escaping from uh, from these ambushes and taking all this gunfire. Um, yeah, the, the only, like, theory sort of mentioned in this story is Yamamoto, uh, who believed 
the bear was named Kesagake and was, you know, a previous bear. And I think that he mentioned that he was like, he believed the bear to be like the reincarnated uh, spirit of a man in the area as well. Uh, the translation, I think, in that part might have been a little bit lost, but that's kind of how I how I read that is that he believed the bear was literally the spirit of a man who would come back to uh, take revenge on the villages of Sakebetsu. I don't know what they did wrong. Um, but anyway, that that was the story. I hope you uh, well, not enjoyed it, but you know, I hope you learned a lot. Um, as I've said many times, I think bears are the one of the least fun ways to go. They fully will tear you apart um, without killing you. That that poor woman um, who who was just like left with her head and legs. Like we learned this in the um, God, what was it? There was the uh, the Treadwell story. The the um, yeah, the Treadwell story. The sec I think it was the second or third episode we did. Bears don't kill you quickly, man. They, like, take their time. Um, and there, there's another story, which we'll probably touch on another time. Uh, this is Russian woman who... There's actually, like, there's f audio. Uh, there's audio of her f phoning her mom uh, as a bear is eating her alive. And she's talking to her mom saying, there is a bear, it's eating me alive, it hurts so much, please help. And she, the phone call goes on for minutes. It's it's harrowing and it's awful. So bears are not kind animals uh, when they do attack. Uh, but you know, they, yeah, they've evolved to be that way, man. They're like, they're powerful as hell. I'm starting to sound like Joe Rogan frothing over bears and that's the last thing uh, any of us need. So let's move on quickly to our newest segment, the scratch of the day. No interstitial there. Maybe we'll make one. I don't know. What do you think? We'll go like scratch of the day and they'll be like, Row, and then sh sh scratch noises. I don't know. If you want to make one, make it and send it to me. Knock and run podcast. Not, oh my God. I'm getting mixed up with my podcasts. Send it to me. Man, it is podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are talking about animal tax, animal confrontation in the news this week. Our first story, the, the headline is Fox News. That's going to be a pun. Wait for it. Capitol Police catch mammal accused of attacking congressman. Here's the story. U.S. Capitol Police have apprehended an aggressive suspect accused of attacking a congressman and perhaps others. The alleged assailant? An unusually bold fox. Earlier in the day, police had warned of fox encounters in the area and said they were working to trap and relocate the animal. For your safety, please do not approach any foxes, police tweeted. A folks... A spokesperson for the Capitol Police told NPR there had been reports of several bites and that a fox had been spotted on Monday around the Senate office buildings. The spokesperson said foxes had been spotted before, but described the aggressive behavior as unusual. Punchball News later identified at least one of the bitten individuals as Army Bearer, a Democratic congressman from California. I expect to get attacked if I go on Fox News. I don't expect to get attacked by a fox, Bearer told Punchball News. Good joke there. Well done, congressman. Bera, oh, am I bleeding? <laughs> I think I'm bleeding. <laughs> How did that happen? Oh no. Sorry to interrupt the news story. I got up to plug the computer into a charger and I, I tripped over my bed and <laughs> I'm bleeding. That's okay. It's not as bad as being eaten by a bear or attacked by a fox. Speaking of, Bera, who described the fox attack as unprovoked, told Punchball News that the attack had occurred on Monday night. I didn't see it, and all of a sudden I felt something lunge at the back of my leg, the congressman said. I jumped, and I got my umbrella. The fox, meanwhile, appears to have acquired its own publicity team. A Twitter account, at the Capital Fox, tells the animal side of the story, and has released an official statement. 
the official statement is as follows. Today, I was forcibly removed from my den by very scary and mean individuals. I'm innocent of the crimes in question. This will not be the end. That is threatening and ominous. I am a work in progress, the statement concluded, echoing the words of a film star recently embroiled in a controversy of his own. Well, there you go. I wonder if the fox's wife has alopecia. Anyway, a reporter for Politico, Zimina, oh, I can't pronounce that name, uh, Zimina Bustillo, also tweeted that she had been bitten. That feeling when you get bit by a fox leaving the capital, because that's of course something I expect in the middle of DC, she tweeted. On Tuesday evening, Berra tweeted to report that he was healthy and back at work after the encounter. Joking aside, animal bites are extremely serious. In the case of an encounter, please speak with a physician immediately, he tweeted, including a link to the CDC's website. Hey, that's really responsible of Berra to do. Um, yeah, great. Good. Bitten by fox. I'm still bleeding. Uh, yes, of course, if you are bitten by any wild animal, of course, contact your local health department or go to the hospital. It's up to you. Um... I've never been bitten by a fox, but I did get close enough to pat one when I was little. They lived near my house. They, we were like next to bushland. And I loved the foxes and I wanted to keep the fox as a pet. But my parents said that we weren't allowed to because they ate all the birds. Um, and then my birds did go missing. So, yeah. let's. I'm not going to read too much into that because I might get sad. Um, speaking of sad, this next story is not as fun as the, as the Fox News one. Maybe I should have done this the other way around to end on a happier note. But... It's too late now. Um, this headline says, uh, Mum mauled by Pitbulls wakes up from coma to, finds her, to find her arms amputated. So if that's, you know, not enough to give you an idea of what this story is going to be like, uh, and maybe you want to, you know, skip forward a couple, you know, 45 seconds, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe that's what you should do. A South Carolina mum, and I do know we have some uh, listeners in South Carolina. So if you're listening and uh, you're around that area, I'd love to hear if you heard this in the news in your area a south carolina mum who had both of her arms amputated after being savagely mauled by three pit bulls was so upset by her condition when she woke up from a coma that doctors decided to put her under sedation again according to her sister kyleen waltman 38 years old was critically injured when she was attacked by the dogs on a sidewalk in honia path northwest of columbia on march 21st a man who saw Waltman being mauled was eventually able to scare the animals off by firing his gun into the air. I'm going to pause there and just note how American that is, that he just had a gun. That's, that's odd to me. Maybe it's not odd to you. Unpause. Her sister, Amy Wyan, uh, said that Waltman had also lost part of her colon and may have had, and sorry, and may have to have a section of her esophagus removed. Holy shit. That's awful. In an update on GoFundMe, Wyan described the harrowing pro uh, moment her sister woke up from a coma. Kyleen had been fully woken up and the doctors told her about her arms, but it caused a great deal of anxiety, so they sedated her, she wrote. Her blood pressure is still very high and she's running a fever of 102 degrees. Her oxygen levels keep falling, so she's back on the ventilator. Mama says it's like she's giving up. Before you go assuming uh, as we... Sorry, before you'll go assuming we as her family are not giving up, Wayne wrote. The Lord has brought her this far for a reason. Her story is not done. Now they have took everything uh, on the. Now they have took off everything on the arms. Now that she cannot have the regular prosthetics. Okay, uh, so here we are trying to figure out how to keep her from thinking negative thoughts about her life. The sibling continued. Wow, that means that they've uh, they've amputated everything up to the shoulder. Um, you can't have a prosthetic if there's nothing for the prosthetic to go on. Um, which means that, that the, the attack must have been so brutal. Um, let's keep reading. 
Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, let's keep reading. Uh, I understand that for 38 years she's had arms and now she doesn't. And now she's thinking, and now she's thinking, uh, I understand that for 38 years she's had arms and now she doesn't. How she's thinking. She's still fighting. Prayers are working and slowly she's healing. We just have to wait and allow God and uh, time to do their thing. She added. The fundraiser raised over $170,000 as of Tuesday morning. The dog's owner, Justin Miner, has been charged with the three misdemeanor counts of owning a dangerous animal that attacked and injured a human, rabies control violation, and a dangerous animal not permitted beyond premises unless restrained, the state reported. He has been released on $15,000 bounty. Bounty. Bond. I'm sorry. That's a different thing. Bond. Uh, if it was a bounty, this is... Ah, uh, I'm really... There's a dog the bounty hunter joke in there somewhere, but I'm not going to make it. Um, the owning of a dangerous animal charge carries a penalty of at least $5,000 or a sentence of five years behind bars. It could have been prevented, Wayne said, if the dogs were locked up or if the dogs were chained up or if they were never there to begin with, this would not have happened. Oh, wow. Uh, the dogs were seized by Abbeville County Animal Control in the wake of the attack. It was unclear how the dogs ended up on the street. Signs that read, beware of the dog can be seen on Miner's property, according to local media. Yeah, that's, oh shit, that's awful. I have a friend who um, was attacked by a dog when he was little and thankfully was not injured too terribly, but it left just lasting trauma on him. Um, and we used to think it was funny. Like, no, okay, let me finish. We used to think when, you know, there would be a dog at a party, a little yappy dog, he would be terrified. We thought it was funny. We didn't understand what that trauma was like. Um, and he's recently, uh, I think he has a girlfriend now and I think she has a dog and, uh, you know, he must be taking steps to, I saw a photo of them walking the dog. So that must be improving. But yeah, um, he's a really good guy. If you know him, uh, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, yeah. So two News stories, that was the scratch of the day, uh, a fox attacked a congressman, and a woman lost her arms. So, yeah, I guess you could say diverse emotions happening right now. Anyway, guys, that is our episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the Sankebetsu brown bear incident, of course, a real tragedy in Japan, and the scratch of the day, uh, the fox and the dogs. Um, if you would like to hear more of us, please, uh, please, I don't say, I said us. Me. It's just me. If you'd like to hear more of me talking about animal attacks, uh, go ahead and like and subscribe and follow wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, analytics say like 80% of you are listening on Spotify, but if you're listening anywhere else, uh, follow a like, you'll figure it out. Also, if you can give me a five-star review, it's such a little thing for you, but it actually really does help me. The more five-star reviews this podcast gets, the more visible it becomes on all those platforms, and the more people can discover the podcast and, and listen along with all of us and our little growing community, which is really beautiful. Uh, speaking of, we do have a new social media page. There is a Facebook page, Man It Is Podcast. If you want to go find that and chuck it a like, that would be great. As always, there's the Instagram, Man It Is Pod. I always post there. Uh, interactive content, quizzes, asking you what kind of stories you'd like to hear from. Of course, that as well. There's an email. Uh, I think it's maneaterspodcast at gmail.com. You can send anything there, interstitials, ideas for stories, feedback, criticisms, whatever. I like it. I like when people talk to me. Uh, please do that. Uh, and yes, of course, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, my name has been James. We will be back next week. I haven't decided on the episode, but there is a 
pretty good chance we're going to be talking about probably one of the most recent stories that we've uh, that I've found uh, a young woman who was killed by a coyote in I think 2009 um, which is an extremely sad story it's also very interesting and noteworthy because it's the only time a coyote has been well, has been found to kill someone. I think that's the only time that's ever happened. Uh, so we will unpack that story next week, unless it's another story. I'm not that organized. Uh, yes, that's it. That is our episode. Thank you so much. Uh, I need you to promise me something, everybody. Please, please, please take care out there. Look after yourselves, because as we know, it's a jungle out there. Hey everyone, James here again. I just want to let you know that I have a show coming up in Newcastle. Uh, it's unrelated to this podcast, but it's a lot of fun. I know a lot of you don't live around Newcastle. A lot of you are from America and from India. Uh, but in case you are around, the show is called Puffs, and it's basically a Harry Potter parody. It's absolutely hilarious. There are some amazing actors and comedians in the cast, so it's definitely worth a look. Tickets are available at verypopulartheatreco.com.au. I really hope to see you there. And uh, yeah, go puff yourself.